to another segment of Market Overdrive. I am your host, Carla Mina, with Cobo Banker. And with me in the studio, my co-host, <laughs> Nick Mimetti. You are the co-host. I'll be the host. <laughs> That's the way this tug of war will always work. It will never be that way. <laughs> I, I think you and I have this power struggle, and I don't think that you rep, uh, you respect my authority just because I'm a girl. That is not even close to the truth. So I want to we'll do a shout out to the that. women's movement out there. Shout Thank out you for representing. Shout out to the women. No the problem. ladies of Equity Partners. I posted a uh, photo on Instagram just to represent, let you know that we are pro girl girl power. Anyway, lots of stuff ha- happening in the housing market. She, only she would start an argument when there's three men in the room with one girl. The five Outnumbered. foot nothing, 105 five pounder, seven. would start five, with what heels? These. Yeah, okay. Inch. Would start an argument with three men in the room. It's like, just easy, Fido. Let's move on. Listen, pro girl. Girl power. Anyway, so um, yeah, CEOs and bosses, I'm raising one too. So I'm proud of my daughter. Anyway, lots of things happening in the real estate market. A lot of people are in an uproar about this PMI takeaway. It's like a tease. You give it to me and then you take it away. What's going on? I want to hear from you. Vince, I know you're in the trenches um, practicing real estate every day. How are you? I'm doing great, Carla. How are you? Doing outstanding. Great. I think we're having a problem with his mic. Are you connected? Are you connected? Are you connected? Technical problems here. Tech support. <laughs> tech what was support. that movie with Tom Cruise? Tech support. <laughs> or no, it was uh, with the guy who paid the like uh, <clears throat> some game or whatever it was. How are we doing? Oh, oh hey, right. oh, hey, you sound good, good now. Wait, I have to take the blame for it because I have all these lights Everything and switches here, and it was Carla's fault. I apologize. And, Nick, I don't know if I can recreate the brilliant statements I just Sorry. made, but I'll do the best that I can. I can. <laughs> we good now, WGN. We're good now. We're we, we are WGN. good now, yes. WGN. Don't worry so about it. So, what is your take on it, Vince? Well, it really wasn't out there long enough to really impact anybody. You know, it was kind of sent through in and out. Yeah, I mean, like a drive through. Really, what's what's the difference? Everyone's getting in an uproar about nothing. You know, it was kind of um, you know shuttled through in a midnight order, and it was taken away the same way. So everyone just needs to kind of calm down. It wasn't that big of a deal. Um, everything will kind of you know work its way through. The market's uh, in a good place right now, and um, I just think like uh, it's much to do about nothing right now. Nick, what's your take on it? Oh well, I, you know. The show is the art of the short sale, so we're going to make this quick as, as quick as possible. But I think, it, my opinion, and a few other people that I respect in this industry that actually have their own shows, um, I do think it was a little bit of a political play. I think that they dropped it for no apparent reason uh, just before the the inauguration, if you will, and everyone got all geeked up about it and wanted to take advantage of it. It wasn't a huge savings; it was a savings. At the end of the day, a buck is a buck. Uh, the average is going to be about. $400 a year to $500 a year per homeowner in FHA loan. Um, but then it was, for it to be the first bit of order of business right on Inauguration Day, something tells you that this was never really a sustainable idea. They just did it to kind of throw a, a pile of dookie in you know the new HUD secretary's lap. And so he was forced to pretty much raise it back up and kind of put blame on them right out of the gate. But that's my opinion. That's a few other people's opinion. I, you know, I think that there's other things on the in the horizon for FHA that are far more important than the PMI, as far as flexibility, credit scores, and all the other stuff that we touched upon. But I wouldn't dwell on this whatsoever. I I couldn't agree more. I and mean, I agree too. Um, yeah. I want to do address the um, an article that came out um, through National Association of Realtors that said that, and they're going to hate me. And you guys know I love you and I support you. Go RPAC. Um, but uh, seven hundred fifty to uh, eight hundred fifty thousand home buyers will face higher cost, and thirty thousand to forty thousand new home buyers will be left on the sidelines in twenty seventeen. 
All I can say yeah. is it was estimated that FHA borrowers would save an average of $500 per year with the reduction in place. Okay, so the reduction was never signed off. And a $500 per year reduction, I'm sorry, you're going to save more money if you buy something than if you continue to pay your landlord. So take that $500, and I, I'm going to challenge our lenders out here. Why don't you guys come up with a $500 gift or something yeah, to entice you know, our buyers, to, our first-time buyers, to get off the sidelines and actually buy? Because I don't think the PMI is the answer. So is that statement and the way correct? Sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off. But is that statement correct? If rates get better by a three eighths, are those people still on the sideline? Because there's your forty bucks. So that that's, that's such a, and I'm totally in favor of that of that uh, organization. But I mean, we just this is all political pandering. It's political. If rates and I get think- better under Trump's watch, are we going to give him credit now that he you know made rates three eighths better and and we're going to you know all of a sudden there's more people that are in the housing market? I mean, there's so many ways to look at more people or less people in the housing market, and I don't think the PMI for FHA is really it didn't skyrocket. It, it was put to where it was no, for well, the last the, the, seven the, months. Because the rates went year. up, we were saying, okay, rates have gone up, but to upset that cost, we're going to now see a reduction in the cost to borrow money if you're putting less than 20% down. If you're an FHA buyer and you're putting little money down, then and the interest have gone up. But I, 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 I think it's like people like seriously focus. Stop looking at uh, media, and I, I hate media for making this seem like it's, it, it's going to affect housing. I mean, t- it's just a political game. It shouldn't affect us in the trenches because what we need to do is elevate our real estate IQ, ele- you know, educate our consumers to understand the, the math behind it all, right? Again, $500 in savings is so much, it's so much less than what you're going to keep spending if you keep paying your landlord $1,600, $1,800 on a two-bedroom for, you know, for a yeah. rental that you could possibly afford at $1,200. Yeah. And I'm looking at those dynamics right now for you know, other clients. And unfortunately, that's not the message being delivered out there by you know, the media and all the stuff that she'll see coming through your feed on Facebook. And they're all trying to, you know, kind of throw this in front of everybody as if this big thing just went off. That's going to cost people the ability to buy a home. And he's already holding, hurting homeowners. This is not a political show. It's yeah. not. And we're not going to take a side. We're on one side here and that's the real estate side. Always. So it's not about, you about know, who, who we're in favor of and who's, you know. We can have arguments about which party is probably better for real estate, but the reality is, is this is just a bunch of crap right. and thrown that- in the air by some media that's obviously, look, one side hates the other side, and it's, it's going to be ongoing forever, and this is just typical crap. Typical crap, for sure. I just, uh, we should have a t-shirt that says typical crap. Um, but from an investor- <laughs> I'll buy it. <laughs> but moving on to our topic for today is short sales, the art and death. By the way, great job on that, Nick, because I really believe that short sales definitely an art. Not every realtor even took upon it the task. And you said it was an adventure to do short sales. I like to think that it's sometimes a nightmare uh, to do a short sale. But if you know how to do them, it becomes a process. And if you're, you know, if you're strategic about the process, you're able to to get them from, you know, intake to closing, and of course, help homeowners who are have, you know, face financial hardship. So before. Before we get into like the dynamics of a short sale, can you get, let's go ahead and introduce our guest today. You want to do the honors, Vince, since he's your guest? Sure. This is Philip Fornaro. He's an attorney here in the Chicagoland area and also works uh, uh, the suburban areas around LaGrange and really the whole greater Chicago area. Uh, but a good friend of mine, he's also uh, uh, my preferred attorney and we do a lot of business together and a very sharp guy who knows uh, quite a bit about what we're going to be talking about today. Scary, he did say, good friend of yours. So what? do you know a lot of dirt? You have a lot of dirt on Vince because he's usually very quiet. Yeah. No, <laughs> Got to wake him up a little bit. Oh, yeah. 
No, very quiet. He does. Uh, he doesn't tell me any of his deep, dark, dark secrets. He's, come on! <laughs> this show's never good unless yeah. there's some dirt on somebody. Yeah, come on! I got a ton on it. Tune in the next segment when I give you all of Carla's dirt. <laughs> you're, three, you're three drinks away from getting all the dirt on me. Right? <laughs> <That's> pretty much. <laughs> so, Philip, you um, specialize, in, of course, residential real estate, but you also do process a ton of short sales in, in, in your office. Can you tell us how's that business going? Yeah, so it's it's very interesting. So when we first got involved in the market, whatever, back in 2010, actually, we did our first short sale. I was just talking to Nick earlier. Uh, back in 2006, before they, we didn't even know what it was. Mm-hmm. And then we sort of used that strategy to, to figure out when, when the market went bad, no one what, knew what to do. It was the lenders didn't know what to do. You know, their do, business doing loans. They, they didn't know, you know, what is this? I have to take less than what we're owed? I don't understand. So we went through the process of learning, structuring, you know, f- feeling these people. So it used to be that I would talk to a client coming in for an hour, you know, and, and say, hey, you know, what is this all about? How can we help you? And struggle with it. You know, we got it down to a science where literally it takes me 17 minutes to explain the process of a short sale and some of their options. So it's very, very intriguing how it developed. And Interestingly, when we first started, there wasn't a lot of attorneys that did it. Actually, a lot of the real estate attorneys shied away from it because it was too complicated, too intense. It Almost sounded crazy. And there was yeah. a lot of third-party yeah. companies that weren't uh, attorneys that were doing it as well because it was just so time-consuming for a lot of us. Well, let's back up for one quick second. Let's get, for those that are that have no clue what a short sale is, because we have a lot of people that follow and watch us that haven't even bought a home yet. Let's just at least define what a short sale is before we go much deeper into it. Yeah, that's a that's a great idea. So basically, a short sale is very simple. I use an example: if you owe a hundred thousand on your house with the lender, and your house is worth fifty thousand, the difference between the amount that you owe, the hundred thousand, and the amount that is uh, that the value of your home is fifty thousand. That's a deficiency. So when you sign a note with the lender early on, when you at closing, you go through a real estate deal with with your your attorney and lender, and a real estate agent, then you have a deficiency at this point in time. What do you do? The lender doesn't have to say, "Okay, I'm going to allow you to sell your house." They have to agree go, to it. They can go after the balance. That's right. Right. So. I mean, if a normal transaction, you make a payoff of your loan at the closing, right? Mm-hmm. And then suddenly, uh, you you know, you walk away and you've closed in your home. Now you have to go through a three to six to sometime year-long process for the bank to agree to release that deficiency and, and sell your home. So this was obviously a huge topic post-crash because everybody, it seemed like, was underwater. Even people that put down 20% on their homes were all of a sudden now underwater when values across the country were plummeting. In some, in some areas, they were plummet- they had plummeted over 50%. But these existed before a crash. You just said earlier that in 2006 you did one. Correct. So it's not like this is something that was created because of the crash and now that, I mean, granted, the title is The Art and the Death, potentially, of the short sale, but it's been alive forever. And it's, therefore, it will never really die. It might slow down. But yeah. these have happened in 05 and 06 when the market was flush. Correct. So people get into, into strange situations financially. Property values in different areas go up and down. It, it, you know, there's not always rhyme or reason to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, so as a result of that, yeah, there's always going to be someone in financial trouble. And, right. and that, that's going to continue. Obviously, when we get a good economy going, you know, it's less. But you know, people you know, lose money all the time, get in financial struggles. Right. And this is why I, I like to say and always just 
always, always say it's align yourself with a real estate professional or a lender or um, an attorney that understands the process, right? Because you have to understand real estate as a holistic uh, investment opportunity. Uh, Warren Buffett said that you should always buy a commodity or an investment that where you don't have to always keep checking on value, right? Because if you're looking at real estate as an investment for your family, a place where you're going to raise a family, then you're looking at it from how is it going to function? Am I going to, you know, am I going to save money owning it versus renting it? And so if you're going to save money owning it and you're going to be at that perfect school for your children, then by God, do it. If you're going to look at a multi-unit and you're going to hold it as an investment and it's going to generate rental income for you, then why not, right? Going yeah. back to that $500 in savings. Having said that, when it comes to short sales, the difference between what you owe and what the property is worth gets forgiven as a short sale. And I'm not saying advocate for short sales. I'm just saying that it's an option if you hit hardship, right? And we're looking at something to be optimistic about in 2017 is job growth. So look at it and say, okay, where can we see job growth? Where is that opportunity? Instead of worrying about these interest rate hikes, let's worry about where can we grow the economy so people could have more money in order to afford housing as a real estate investment. And of course, I'm the realtor in the room, so I'm always going to be pro-housing, but it's a, it's just different ways of looking at it. Um, I also want to point out the difference between a short sale and a foreclosure. A foreclosure is when the bank has taken the asset. They've taken the property. Um, but just because the prop- the bank takes the property, it doesn't mean that the deficiency is forgiven, right? Mm-mm. doesn't mean that that difference is forgiven. And a lot of people say, you know what? I can't afford this house. I'm not going to answer the phone. The collectors keep calling me. There's a lot of mail coming in. I'm stressed out. I'm going through a divorce. I got medical bills. You know, so we hide from our problems. Um, But it doesn't mean that because you give the bank the property or the bank takes the property through the foreclosure process um, that your debt is forgiven. That debt doesn't go away. So the only solution is, in fact, short sales. Am I correct? Well, yeah, that's 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 probably the best point. And that's the first point when someone says, you know, they hear it. I hear it almost every every phone call. You know, I just want to walk away from this property. I want to be part of it anymore. The problem is, is that. You don't control your own destiny with a foreclosure because as soon as a judgment occurs and the lender gets it back and sells the property at a, an auction, that's the end of it, and they can chase you for the deficiency. And it may not be that lender. It may be some lender that they sell like a $100,000 note for like 30000 and then you get, you get your credit back five years later. You're all set to buy your new home, and then you have this debt out there that you forgot about, mm-hmm. and then that's the problem. So. There are several ways to, to get to get rid of uh, once you're in foreclosure. There's a consent foreclosure where or a deed in lieu of foreclosure where you can give the property back and waive the deficiency. But the premier spot, you're right, Carla, the premier way to do it is through the short sale. Another thing that people should understand is when doing a short sale is that just because you're processing or soliciting, begging for cheese, you may say, uh, to be forgiven for that deficiency judgment by your lender, it doesn't mean that your foreclosure process is stopped, correct? The foreclosure timeline still goes on, and then the short sale timeline, I don't know how this goes, but still goes on as well. So one doesn't stop the other. Is that correct? Correct. At, at, on a rare occasion, you could talk to the short sale lender to, to call the uh, the attorneys and say, hey, slow it down. But that's usually with smaller lenders. Mm-hmm. With the bigger lenders, Chase, Bank of America, Wells Fargo, all the, the banks that sort of put us in this position, right, the processes continue simultaneously. So the art of this is whatever loan uh, process or whatever short sale process, you have to have an attorney stopping the foreclosure process. And fortunately for short sale uh, people is, is or uh, consumers is, is that the short sale, I mean, the foreclosure process is really, really slow 
in Cook County and in DuPage County. So we can stop that so that the realtors can do their job and, and the lenders can do their job and get uh, get get a process uh, right, going. Right, because I don't know what Vince is seeing out there. Sorry, Nick. Um, but where, where, where I'm standing, I see that a lot of banks are just moving f- this foreclosure process along really fast because they're seeing that there is, you know, equ- not equity, but there's value that they can get if they take the property through foreclosure. So it feels like the process of foreclosure is being expedited so that, and they're taking the properties through foreclosure versus granting and, and approving these short sales. Are you... Well, here's the thing. The bank would much rather approve a short sale than go through the full foreclosure process. Um, They're going to get more money in a short sale than if it goes all the way through foreclosure. Plus, they're going to be able to settle the debt and get back whatever money they can quicker through a short sale than if it goes through foreclosure. Once it goes through the whole foreclosure process, they've spent every nickel that they would have to spend, uh, be it through the attorneys, uh, getting the judgment, chasing down the money, taking control of the house, doing the marketing to get the house back ready, putting it through the process of getting it back on the market, and then having to hire uh, a realtor you know, associated with them to then sell it. Whereas in a short sale, typically, uh, most of the stats that I've seen will say that the short sale is going to sell higher. Uh, the same house would sell higher as a short sale than it would as a foreclosure. So the bank stands to get more money, mm-hmm. and they also stand to cl- uh, close the process and get the bad debt off their books a lot quicker than if they were to follow through and see the foreclosure through its conclusion. One quick tidbit, though, that you just said, foreclosure will sell lower than a short sale. Now, and I understand the dynamic of that, but remember, if you're a buyer looking for and analyzing the, you know, the, the asset and seeing, saying, should I buy a short sale or a foreclosure? Remember, foreclosures, it takes banks a long time to take them, right, to, to foreclose upon someone. So say it takes a, per, a bank a year or two years to acquire the asset through the process of foreclosure. After it's taking, you know, and they're successfully getting that deed or that title uh, through the foreclosure process, then they keep it in shadow and that property may never enter the may take a while for the property to enter the real estate market and so there's going to be a lot of deferred maintenance from when the original owner wasn't fixing it because if they can't afford to pay the mortgage they're also not going to be paying the repairs right yeah and then of course if there's three other properties on the market the bank's not going to saturate that marketplace with another a third or a fourth short uh, foreclosure so it takes a while and of course you know it's especially in the midwest it's so cold uh, and if a property gets weather damaged snow um, and so that's where you started to see the value Differences. So be careful when you're buying those foreclosures. I like to say, which with short sales, at least you know that you know the heat's been turned on. But with foreclosures, they've been vacant for a while. Yeah, that's interesting. You said that. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Now the chase that was chase model to hold to to foreclose the property, take them back. Actually, not foreclose. Slow it down so that they could go ahead and uh, have the person that lived in it take care of the property. So that was an interesting model. I want to get to some juicier stuff when we come back because I just heard a bunch of stuff out of your mouth that was like, okay, we know, we got it, we got it. We need to get to some really, really fun stuff about short sales. Sometimes they just want to punch you. Is that You're listening allowed? to Market Overdrive. Really Someone's allowed? got their phone on loud. <laughs> Whoever that person is should get fired from the show. It's okay, probably Carla Mina. <laughs> You're, You're fired. fired. <laughs> we'll be back in a couple minutes. Stay here with us right on Facebook Live or, of course, you can... Catch us on our podcast, WGN Radio, or on our YouTube channel as well at Market Overdrive. We'll be back in a couple minutes.
Welcome back to segment number two of Market Overdrive at the WGN studio, um, WGN radio. It's so exciting to be here. I love my views. I love seeing the city. It's a great um, Your drive view here. is facing that corner. Oh, I you just can't see anything. My, yeah. my view is I you, have, and I definitely I, don't that like was you. That's part of your view. I have the view of the beautiful Michigan Avenue skyline, some of these historical oh, buildings. Oh, I'm going to sound narcissistic like you, Nick. I'm actually looking at myself in the camera, looking at the back, and it's so cool. it. So if I just do this, and it's one of the most amazing views for Valentine's sure. Day is coming. Are you trying to say that like you're going to buy me a Valentine? Is that why you're I being nice to me? I'm absolutely never going to say something like that. Anyway, I, I could pay t- somebody to be your Valentine. <laughs> oh my God, that's so mean. <laughs> oh wow! I have two amazing Valentines. Thank you very much. Yes. Anyway, um, going back to short sales. <laughs> going back to short sales. I, you know, we kind of left with a bunch of tidbits and a lot of stuff, but. Um, that was said that made a lot of sense and a lot of good explanations to how they work. But we didn't really get to, you know, the show topic is the art of it, which I think we covered a little bit and we got a lot more to get into. Um, but the death of it um, with, you know, at one point in 2010, most of the people that you would see, what was the age old story? It's like some people wanted a short sale, not necessarily because they couldn't afford the payment anymore, but they didn't like staring down the barrel of $250,000 in negative equity, which happened to a lot of people. You bought a home for 500000 you barely put down 5% back in 2005 or six when you bought it at the peak, and now all of a sudden, nobody can get rid of the same exact property for two hundred fifty grand. So you're literally two hundred fifty grand in arrears. $250,000 that you look like, you look at this note and you're like, this is going to take an eternity for me to come back and actually have equity. That's right. So you had a lot of strategic defaulters. Mm-hmm. You had a lot of people that just said, I'd rather take the hit on my credit report, and even though I can afford to pay this, I just don't want to be involved in this type of debt. Um, teach their own. And then, of course, you had people that the economy, the jobs, the whole nine yards. But my point is that back then, you would go and submit this $200,000 offer, and the deals were so huge. You know, you're like, oh wow, the the guy owed five hundred. I picked it up for two hundred. If you're the buyer of the short sale, sure, right? Um, are short sales so short anymore? I'm not. I'm hearing that they're not so short. It's like that same five hundred thousand dollar house might have been short at the four thirty or four forty. Now, is the deal as juicy as it once was? No, I mean you see it all over the board, but yeah, the it's definitely the market's definitely picked up, and you're going to see less of it. It depends, but it's pocketed. So a lot of the areas, you know, in the western suburbs, northern suburbs, they've came back, you know, in in, in full force. So obviously less in those areas, but there's still pockets of locations where you you're still having that negative equity yeah. uh, because it just hasn't built up yet. But yeah, you see, you know, we got someone released of a million dollar uh, deficiency judgment, but that doesn't happen, you know, very often anymore because they don't exist. So you're 100 percent right. Right. So you hear, you hear. I heard a story literally a few weeks ago where somebody owed 275 thousand. They did a infamous zestimate, which we are big fans of Zillow, right, Carla? Oh my I god! Zillow. All right, all right, all right. sarcastic joke. <laughs> um, we like Zillow for different reasons, but when it comes to the zestimates, I think everybody in here could would prefer to watch the, those get blown up. Um, <laughs> But you know he owed two seventy five on the house. He did his uh, his estimate, and it said the house was worth two fifty. Mm-hmm. And so he was under the impression that he's going to be a short sale. And you know, so I took the call, and I'm like, "Well, I can refer to this attorney, that attorney that does these things." Um, listed the property 
at the 250 or 260, and the agent came in and said, we're just going to list it here. This thing sold over 275. Yeah. I love so how the an short agent sale, the went short ahead sale and approved that. Hey, hey, hey. I didn't say call Carla Mina or, or, or Vince Molito here. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm just that. saying I'm it just happened. Like, but you know what? This is the second time I hear that. I'm not going off traffic. Just hold on a second. Jesus. That's not the point of this conversation. Okay. The point is that. You know, when it when it hit the market at the right price, it turned into like I think the house sold for a little bit over three. Right. So he actually made not a ton of money. Probably took like a fifty dollar check by the time you pay out like you know your commissions and your title credits and your tax credits and all that stuff. Um, but it wasn't short. Right. And I think that that's symbiotic of where we're at today. I mean, there is going to still be some really rough areas that are still so far underwater. But how often is it happening? I know it's not happening right here. If I want to buy a condo that someone thinks is short, it might not be that short. And we used to find yeah, them a- here. We used to find them in the loop. We used to find them everywhere, Gold Coast, Lincoln Park. And now they're, you know, they're non-existent. So is, so is it as short as Carlamina? Or short more like, you know, my <laughs> you five foot eleven alone? height? You know, how God. short is it? So, so that's a, that's the interesting thing is is that so everyone because it's gone on for so long, no one thought this was going to go on very long when it started hitting in two thousand nine, ten, eleven, when it was really horrible. Six oh, year run. That's right. Seven year run. If you, you really look, get into it, yeah, eight, you, maybe. I mean, Nick made close millions. To, close to eight. Buying short you, sales. What? No, no, don't listen to her. Nobody just carry on. So that's what it is. Everyone thought it would return. So then when everybody realized it wasn't returning, then they thought it was gonna last forever, right? Right. So now everybody is gun shy, for lack of a better term, and they forget things. And then they listen to their friends, they look on the internet, and then they, you know, Uncle Joe says that this is a short sale. Oh my God, it's a short sale. So what the point is is that and you brought this up earlier, Carla, is the first thing you have to do is you call a realtor, do that market analysis. They're 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 the key to the whole thing is just to figure out what that value is. And realtors, please do a market analysis. Do not use Zillow for an estimate. That's not what you get paid to do. Yeah, I had to say well, it. Carla will find you. She will <laughs> I will literally you find you. Yeah, we always that's what we do. We like use the subpar agent that you are. <laughs> I literally had somebody call me and tell me that there that he told the agent what his property was worth, and I said, "Where are the comps? They were ridiculous comps, just yeah. because he had found it on Zillow." And I'm like, "And she listed the property for that value because it's nowhere near the value of your property." Well, more dangerously anyway. is when they use his estimate and go for sale by owner. Who? Oh, that's like disaster. you know, that's well, like giving that's a bunch of five year olds loaded guns. It's then they like, realize you know, why something they shouldn't good be for is sale not going to happen owners. here, right? So okay, but go back to I'm sorry, the value and. Yeah, but actually, Zillow is good for this purpose. It's because when we're don't negoti- endorse it. Hold on, when we're negotiating a short sale, if it is in fact a short sale, you know, Zillow says X. You submit that to the bank as part of the analysis, and they go, "Oh, yeah, well, this is probably worth X." And then I'm going to go back and say no. <laughs> I'm going to say no. <laughs> Zillow endorsement. I am out of no. here. I'm done. First of all, if you're working with a great realtor, they're going to do a. They're going to do a. Um, a repair report or an analysis of the uh, the deferred maintenance on the property that's going to showcase why that property is worth less than fair market value for that area. That's right. Right? It's going to show that. So you do a repair report with pictures of the damages. You send it to the lender. And if you have to contest that BPO, you contest that BPO. No leaning on Zillow or third-party websites for any of analysis for property prices. And going, let's go back to fair market value, right? Mm-hmm. For you buyers out there who are looking for a good deal and are looking at short sales for the right next investment, especially those who are flipping, right? That's who's buying these these short sales. Or, you know, people are going to buy it to own or occupy it. But 
it's got to be worth. It's got to be fair market value. The lender is not going to approve the sale or forgive the the seller of the deficiency judgment or the difference of what's owed versus what the property's worth if the property is not reflective of fair market value. Is yeah. that correct? I mean, are you seeing it? I mean, it's so much harder nowadays to make a property, a short sale, be approved if the property is not you know, reflective of fair market value. Yeah, the problem is, is that that's why it's very critical to have a, a realtor that's been in this area and knows how to analysis like you two. But what happens is, is that we had one the other day, the bank appraised it at 550, right? Buyer walks away. Two days later, we get another contract in and they come back at seven 750. As the value. It's like, what, what happened in two days? You know, the market's still the same. The realtor still concurs with our our. our our value is what we propose it. So now we go through that process of reanalyzing it, thus getting the realtor back involved to show the current market uh, values at that at that point in time. So, well, but, uh, and it, go ahead. These, you know, you said the offer comes in on property, and you know, you you basically mentioned how a realtor has to be very involved and make sure that the the value of that property is what it is. But at one point, there was what they called a broker price opinion. You know, basically, when you tell the short sale lender, let's go back to that five hundred thousand two fifty scenario that I had given a minute ago. Right. You know, the so there's a contract offer for two hundred fifty thousand dollars. Now the the lender sends their own appraiser, not somebody ordered by anybody else. It's the lender's Third appraiser. party objective. Right. It's a broker evaluation. price opinion. BPO, from what I'm right. BPO, and from what I'm understanding. In 2011 and 12, BPOs were a lot friendlier in favor of the buyer, um, where, you know, even if you offered it probably aggressively short, maybe that 250 wasn't 250, it was 200, mm-hmm. BPOs were flexible. Now it seems like lenders are getting these BPOs back and they're sticking to their guns, they which they weren't doing as much. Negotiation was a little bit more of an art a couple years ago between short sale processors and attorneys than today. They're all kind of really glued really close to that BPO. Is that what's happening today? Because I haven't done one or seen one in a while. So this is what's happening. It's become a little bit more complex uh, to get and to negotiate. But the problem that we see with all this, and this is what we tell everyone when they come in the first time, is don't have any expectations because you could be dealing with a chase lender on one deal and a chase lender on the other deal. And it's not Chase. Chase might be just servicing and the investors. Different owners of the the actual note. That's right. right. And so they may be less flexible. You may have a bad negotiator you're dealing with that doesn't understand that was just hired two days ago. So it's just basically perseverance is the the, the main word when we're talking about uh, short sales. A lot of people don't know this, but there was a company called Deutsche Bank that owned a lot of mortgage notes. There was no negotiating. Really? No, they're just going to foreclosure. You would think you're dealing with Chase or or Bank of America, whoever you're making payments to, and you're like, okay, let's call this out, and they would run you through three or four months of a process to find out at the end the actual note holder was Deutsche Bank. Right. And you just wasted all the time in the world. The buyer thought he had a short sale. The seller thought he could sell short. This is going to be a foreclosure. That's how they were at one period, nine till 12. I only noticed because of a family member who didn't know he was with (laughs) Deutsche Bank, and he found out the wrong way. And then I started calling around. And everybody was pretty much like, yeah, you're, you're in death. And there was like an Aquin that was kind of giving away money for a little while. And there was, you know, some of these other places that were handing over deficiencies, or I should say very lenient on the short sales. But Deutsche Bank was a no. Yeah. So after the show, I'm going to send you the chart of how these things work. And yeah. if you ever watched, I'm not a proponent, but if you ever watched the big short, 
That's yeah. exactly what's going on. Sure. It was crazy. And the sure. favorite, my favorite part of that show was the the, the two lenders. I do. Uh, have my something... favorite part of the show was the girl in the bathtub. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, all right. If, you're, if you like the two lenders, I can get Javier Garcia here, and the two of us will be here. And you know, like, that excuse me, can I take it back to BPOs? I have something to say about that. To do Hello, it. hi. You got Thirty seconds. Okay, to do so it. my take on BPOs is that first of all, a BPO is what the bank orders, right? So it's a third party objective objective analysis of fair market value. It used to be that a lot of realtors didn't have anything to do, and they were tenure real because, you know, the market was kind of soft. But now that it's an aggressive market, the people who are doing BPOs are new rookie agents, right? Because they get paid $50 to do these BPOs. So, of course, it's always subjective because if I come in to, a, to meet a BPO agent, I can bring in my own comps and my own analysis of what needs to be right. repaired in the property and sort of kind of, you know, plant an idea as to what value could be. So I always say that if you want to get around that whole BPO nightmare, always meet your BPO agent because you never know who this agent's going to be. I wish the bank would order an appraisal, right? Because what appraisals are five hundred to six hundred dollars, uh, but no, they're going to pay somebody forty to fifty dollars to anal- analyze fair market value for that property. And BPOs are seriously the key to getting a short sale um, approved because it's value for the buyer who's going to wait six months to get this to come to fruition versus uh, my client getting a deficiency judgment. So. Carla, where have you been? I, I, I've, I've Are you in love with me? Yeah, I, I am. Oh, my God. I, See? Okay, I got myself a Valentine gift. <laughs> You've been listening to Market Overdrive. We're going to break up this love story before I decide to vomit. We will be back in a few minutes. You can follow us on Facebook Live or You're catch our program archived on Whatever. YouTube. Or, of course, subscribe to our podcast at WGN Radio Plus. We'll see you in a couple minutes. Welcome back to another segment of Market Overdrive. Please don't keep us a secret. Let your friends know about us. If you like the information that you're hearing here, we're here live every Wednesday, 10 a.m. on Facebook Live. And, of course, you can download our podcast and follow us at www.marketoverdrive.com. And, of course, YouTube. Tons of information where we sequester the industry's finest professionals who are specializing in, in, you know, in the topics that we're discussing in our show. Today we have Philip. Philip, thank you so much for coming out and elevating our consumers' real estate IQ with respect to Phillip, short sales. Philip got a last name? Can we say his whole name? I can't pronounce it. Fornaro. Fornaro. Yeah. There you go. We caught you again. <laughs> like 70 consecutive shows, she messed up a guest's name. <laughs> Philip Fornaro. He was an attorney at Lauderdale. I mean, do you wake sales. up every day and just say, I'm going to put Carl just on blast? Just to get it out there. God. We accomplished it. Thank you. Anyway, Philip Fornaro, <laughs> welcome. Let's go back to why this matters and this information that he's going to give. First, oh, we do need your last name, of course, because if you, anyone wants to get a hold of him and, and uh, talk about short sales, but let's go. Let's dumb it down a little bit. Let's go back to basics, like the timeline. How does one start a short sale? All right. So this is very important. Again, goes back to what Carla said: is is you have to get your team together right away. You have to get your realtor. And you have to have a, an accountant involved, and then obviously you have to have the attorney. So what happens is that when they come in for the first time, and they, or they make that first call, they're in utter disbelief that they're in this position. They're scared. They don't know what to do. They've heard all the rumors. So the process is is to take them off. And as soon as you hear during the conversation, you'll hear a sigh of relief. And more often than not, they said, oh, I'm so glad I called. Okay, so the timeline is three to six months from the date contract is executed. So the best part is if you're having financial trouble is to call your realtor, call the attorney and get a team together and get it started as soon as you think you're in trouble. 
before you even default. But the beauty of it is because of the foreclosure defense side, you can always keep it at bay. Like I said, sometimes they take three months, sometimes they take six months, sometimes they take a year. We've had some two years in terms of getting them done. So it's not for the faint of heart. You got to keep it nice and smooth and you got to just keep contact and understand that the process is going to take some time. And you want to talk about manipulating the system? I'll tell you what I've seen. Oh, come on. Don't get this there. This is awesome. Don't go there. This is awesome. Keep it clean. I have it's seen... We're at WGN now. You mentioned foreclosure defense, and, and, and I think the shorts, the foreclosure process has started to speed up recently because the market's good, and I think judges are kind of looking at these things like, let's go. You know, this thing should sell. It's not going to be that difficult. But back in the, at one point, nine, ten, it was like, Let's keep people in these houses because we don't want pipes to freeze in the whole nine yards and maintenance and all that. So, and That's especially, right. it was almost impossible to get evicted during the winter if right. you had a family. If you have family. So, but I'll tell you some stories that I've seen and heard, which were amazing at this point, where you had somebody was paying $2,500 a month on their $200,000 or $300,000 loan. And um, that included taxes, insurance, all that fun stuff. And they stopped paying for literally. Four years while they're in foreclosure defense. I got you. you know, they paid a foreclosure defense <laughs> for attorney for you, you know, can up that number a fee oh, every year, whatever the case is. But they're living like li- literally forty thousand dollars a year payment free. Right. All right. So they, the four years creeps up. This is hilarious. The four years creeps up, and then they finally the house goes to sale for one hundred and forty thousand dollars. Well, what's four times that forty? So what's your point? That's $160,000 that person saved. Now, you can't buy your own short sale. We know that. Correct. Correct. But let's get real. There was people buying their own short sales indirectly, some way, through a friend, through whatever. Arm's length transaction. No one with the same last name When a Jose Martinez comes in and he's selling his house short, and another Jose Martinez comes in to buy it, I want to see you prove that they are or aren't related. Well, it can be Syed, too, and Quadri. They'll sign it, but at the end of the deal... I've heard of the stories. I've seen the stories. I'm not going to put out who did it. I just know it happened. But what's and it was amazing. The point is that people were literally taking the system and buying properties. Or they're ne- they'll just buy the next-door neighbor's house in cash because they, they didn't make any pay- that they see. Now, they can buy their neighbor's house for the same value, right? Oh, sure. Well, there you go. That was the beauty of, at one point, what was going on. It was so crazy, but that literally was happening. So, basically, you don't pay your mortgage, and you're paying an attorney to defend you from the foreclosure process, and you get to stay in your property three to four years rent-free, per se, or mortgage-free. We're not condoning it. We're just saying people were doing it. I was just giving you an example of some of the chaos that was happening during this time. Right. Let's get yeah. back to the co- timeline and the key part of the timeline <laughs> we wanted to discuss versus Nick is like, hey, more power to the people. Don't pay your mortgage. If you want to stand up and say F you to the government or in the payments. <laughs> Can you not on my show? Really? What did I say? <laughs> Whatever you were just endorsing. That's horrible. No power to the people. Please pay your mortgages. As a real estate professional, right. I want to do this. This, this is where I speak really fast. <laughs> we, we do hereby do not endorse Zillow and or Nick Mamedi. <laughs> it's craziness. Uh, but we, let's talk about HAFA. Sure. Home Affordable Foreclosure Alternative. Alternative to foreclosure. Um, Dead. <laughs> thanks. You just stole my thunder. Let's talk about it. <laughs> Dead. <laughs> is it gone? 
Yeah, so that's the all the regulation. I think the only thing that's that's lasted is HARP, and it's we don't know exactly where. And Nick can talk about that, but more uh, or less, everything's gone. So we don't know. It's we're in a period of gray area like never before. So yeah, that's gone, and 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 the investors are suffering now that 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 are because they got benefit for going through these short sale programs. So they got money from the government. That's dried up. So then obviously the relocation. I think Vince was going to talk about that. The relocation fee, but. Yeah, that's so it's, the relocation it's a credit is the major takeaway because half a it, a lot of people assume that half a is just a short sale, right? We call it oh, it's half a short sale, but it's not. That's the ten thousand dollars, right? You but but half a is a part. It's a, it's part of a short sale process where you get a relocation credit because you can't afford the home, and we understand that you need to move out. So then we'll secure or ask your lender for a credit to help you move out. It used to be three thousand to ten thousand. Now that incentive is gone. So what do you say to a family that says, well, you know, I can't afford to pay the the attorney to keep me in this home, so I'm just going to let the bank take it. Why should I worry? I'm not going to get money to move out. Yeah, it's a disaster because, as, as we sort of talked about, is, is if you do not defend, then you get a deficiency judgment against you. That, that What we've been talking about is a deficiency judgment. Only and one then, place to go from there. That's it. That's done. And then they can collect against you. Uh, and you know, when you say deficiency. one place to go from there is bankruptcy, bankruptcy, bankruptcy right? It. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. we want <clears throat> you to avoid bankruptcy because it takes you a longer time to survive bankruptcy than a short sale. Short sale, you get dinged for however long you're not making a mortgage payment. and then This is not true. I could bankrupt over and over and over again and still become president. <laughs> Those are Wow, somebody gave hey, me too much coffee hey, today. Hey, I hey, swear, I'm going to... It's a true story. It's a true you're going to make me sin, but I can't because I'm, I'm a mommy too. Perfect. Color, that yes. is a good point, though, what you're talking about with Thank you, how Vince. you get dinged on a short sale versus <laughs> a foreclosure. Sometimes. Well, a foreclosure, you're, you're probably looking at seven seven years on your credit report and an inability to buy a home where a short sale, you could potentially buy a home in as little as two years after the short sale is closed. Right. And um, that's for a lot of uh, families. It means a ton. I mean, obviously, I thought you were going to go in there and talk about products and loan programs. I gotta, that, yeah, I got to step in there and, 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 and jump in. What, what you happened? said is typically true. Um, you can, but like, like buying a car, there is actual programs now. You could buy a house. I actually have them. You can buy a home one day after a short sale, one day after a foreclosure, um, one day after a bankruptcy. Get out of those, here. Those programs, no, however, are like buying- <laughs> awesome. Yeah, I'm kind of awesome. I'm kinda... No, you're not. Tell her I'm, I'm awesome. I'm just, no. That but, is but, awesome. But the, but the truth of the matter, hey, everything, has just... a, everything does have a catch. Let me just clarify. Thank you. Um, you know, the truth of the matter is like buying a car after you had a repossession. You're uh-huh. not going to get a 3% interest rate on that car. And these rates on these programs are substantially higher. You could be looking at sevens, eights, the whole nine yards. Um, and they're going to require a bigger down payment. Is so there a prepayment FHA, penalty? FHA, which is the nice rate to this whole process, Vince is absolutely correct. Two years removed from a short sale, you're buying a home FHA. But as far as being able to buy something, yeah, you know, when you go to buy a car after repossession, you're at like an 18, 19% car auto loan at that point. Lenders do exist for these things now, where at one point prior to 2014, they didn't. Um, so if you're if you're contemplating a short sale foreclosure, life isn't over. Right. You can still buy a house. You just need to really pony up and put well, a healthy down payment down. A lot of my clients down. who did short sales four years ago have come back and bought you know a home. And well, that's the, the boomerang buyers. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. All that damage control we were doing in nine, ten, eleven. Those people are ready to go. Like good. nothing yeah. happened. Because once so, you're a no-no, you realize the benefits of it. Right. You hate having a landlord tell you what you can and cannot do in your home, and a lot of families just want to be their own bosses yes. at home. Carla, tune into our show four weeks ago. You can follow that whole thing.
it's nice it's nice to know too if you're a person that's in a position where you do need to do a short sale it's nice to know that your credit can rebound very quickly i've had clients do short sales with me and a year after the short sale their credit was substantially higher than it was before they you know when they actually owned the home in good standing because they were relieved of all the debt. So now all the debt wasn't in their credit report and it helped their score pop up. Right. And, so, right. you know, and just to clarify for the short sale, yeah. how it's reported on your credit. I mean, you've probably seen it because I think you're a lender. Um, <laughs> it basically says debt paid off for less than full amount, yeah. but you know, uh, no so, debt. No debt is owed, and then your credit is reflected again because of the times that you're not making a mortgage payment. But eventually, you will be back to live, and you won't have anybody calling you and collecting. And then we can find a good investor for your property. And that's a great that's a that's a great it's a win win. No, it is a huge win, and that that's what we always tell it. Whatever the case is, is is to get rid of the problem as soon the day you get rid of the problem. To Vince's point, is the day that everything starts getting rosy and better. So. I'm gonna I'm gonna wrap up on one point though, real quick. You said something about short sales being much better on your credit report versus foreclosure. Uh, I agree 100%. And at this particular moment, it's not a huge variance between the two. But I think that when you – we all anticipate mortgage programs coming back. And one thing that used to exist and I think will come back inevitably is underwriting will view a short sale and a, and a foreclosure differently. So there will be a better product availability to those that did a short sale. Versus those that just walked away and took the foreclosure. Mm-hmm. That's great to know. That It's not here yet. Right now, it's kind of all lumped into one category. Like I just said, bankruptcy, mm-hmm. foreclosure, short sale, yep. all one. But as time will go on- Can and we say you heard it on Market Overdrive a, for We that? can say you heard it from me first oh. at, on Market Overdrive. You um, heard no, it on Market Overdrive. You heard it on Market Overdrive. It will get to a point where there will be benefits to those and at the highest of the credit worthiness of these three categories, short sales will be at the top. And whether it's less down payment required, better interest rates, better credit score, yeah. requir- less requir- credit score requirements, you will eventually look into what is going to become a, an all-day market soon. And that I could have really elaborated on with the FHA PMI thing because the all-day market kind of evaporated post-credit. Well, it did evaporate, but now it's slowly working its way back. Yeah. So, so preach. Don't worry that you're not getting a relocation credit. You'll definitely have better chances of being you know, back as a good citizen, I want to say. You and your citizenship. I'm sorry. Are you even legal? (laughs) You're listening to Market Overdrive. We'll be back with our our guest today and our illegal immigrant that is running head point on this radio show. You can follow us on Facebook Live or go to marketoverdrive.com and stream us live or, of course, subscribe to our podcast at WGN Radio and YouTube. Follow us there. All right. We'll be back in a few minutes. Thanks. back to another segment or our last segment of Market Overdrive. Again and again, we're here every Wednesday, so tune in and share our podcast with anyone who you think um, needs to hear this information. We bring you a lot of wealth of in knowledge about real estate and what's trending in the market. Um, we're closing out our show, but in, but let's get right to it, right? So there's no more relocation credits, no more HAFA. What about the tax implications? Well, okay. Income tax. Let, let me let me let me jump over this real quick. Why? Because there's a myth about all of that. Okay. What's the myth? <laughs> <laughs> there was always this fear. People, when they were listening, you know, I remember back in 2009 and 10, they're like, "I would sell the short sale, but what happens to me if I have like this this hundred thousand dollar deficiency that was supposedly waived? I'm going to get a 1099. I'm already broke. Now I need a hundred thousand dollar 1099. I mean, who's going to afford to pay? 
whatever that you know tax implication is. How do you deal with that? Yeah, so that was the beauty of the Mortgage Forgiveness Act that uh, kicked in, I think, around 2008 or nine, and uh, uh, probably nine, and then it, they kept on extending it so that if you, if it's your principal residence and deficiency is relieved, there was no tax consequence. They could not tax you, so the IRS did not tax you on that consequence. So as of uh, January 1 of 2017, the Mortgage Forgiveness Act has expired. We do not know, although in the past they've done it retroactively that where they've replaced it, it's gone now. So that it, there will be any forgiveness of debt at all will be, uh, if it's forgiven, will result in a tax consequence to you. And I'm not an accountant, but this is what my accountant what about me. What about back during that time if you were doing an investment property? You uh, had an investment property in the same scenario. Yeah, so investment uh, property did not qualify for that. It had to be your single, uh, your principal residence, uh, maybe possibly a second home, but anything that's uh, consumer-based, not investor-based. So let's water it down a little bit. Obviously, going back to your $100,000 example, if, your prop- if you owed 100000 and the property's fair market value, today's fair market value is 50000 there's that $50,000 difference, which is the deficiency, um, then you get tax on that Deficiency, correct? Not on the entire one hundred thousand dollar original value, correct? Or, or original loan value? Yeah, it's based on in- income, obviously. Okay. Ba- ba- it's it, because it is income to to you based on what the IRS regs said, based on what my accountant told me. So now the the problem, though, the benefit of this is there is insolvency. So if you're insolvent at the time, the Mortgage Forgiveness Act doesn't matter, and if you're insolvent now, it's still worthwhile to do the short sale and release the deficiency. If you're insolvent, that's why you talk to your accountant because then it wouldn't be taxable either. Right, and. And because investors were the ones who weren't forgiven originally, they've always figured out, right, if you're an investor, you're keeping this property as a rental property, you always have tax deductions. But when it comes to your residential primary residence, you probably don't have a lot of things that you can claim on solving, whatever. I'm not going to get into that. But but just know that there is a difference uh, in, you know, what kind of product you're holding. Um, Overall, I think it's, it's still a great show. I know a lot of people need to know this even if you are a buyer of a short sale because you under, you have to understand the timeline as to why it is that it takes us a long time to get these short sales approved so um, it's great information thank you Philip for coming out is there any like one key advice or you know what message what did we learn today that you'd like us to share what with our audience what did we learn today other than Carla is not over 5 foot tall 5 7 <laughs> short short sales are not dead or, or are they dead i don't think they'll ever die i think the the, the title of the show is is really you know, to kind of create a stir more than anything else, but right. you know, it's yeah. The key to the key to the whole thing is is that no matter what the situation, you have to touch your professionals immediately. You have to contact your realtor. You have to contact your attorney. You have to contact your accountant. That's the the key to the whole thing is is get people that know behind you, and then they'll they'll ultimately help you get to the promised land because we get all these done. I mean, if you got that team, we get them all done. Right. Yeah. Not just when you're buying or not when not just when you're selling a short sale, but also when you're buying it. Right. Because I love how you said that, you know, that realtor posted listed that property with the Zillow estimate. <laughs> Even if I'm representing a buyer, I'm still going to do that market analysis and say, you know what? There's no way this bank is going to accept the short sale because it's not re- represented a fair market value. And at the end of the day, the bank has you know, it's pursuant to short sale approval, meaning the bank has to approve that value. So even though someone is giving it away on the MLS, it does. And my client gets all emotional and says, I want it because they're giving it away. Way, there's no shiny pennies in this market, I, I don't think. No, get ready to wait. Yeah, for sure. Right. So, like, essentially, what I learned is a short sale is much like the fanny pack. <laughs> like, mean? at one point. Sometimes, like, <laughs> I, this is the part where I hold myself. <laughs> yeah, at one point, I'm not at there one point, it, yeah. Where is he going with this? Hear me out. Hear me out. At one point, 
was it the 90s? It was the greatest tool ever invented, and everybody had to use it because it was such a phenomenon. But uh, it's not as popular. It's not as popular today, but it still is a great tool. Yeah. When you travel, is that not what the fanny pack has gone through? The fanny pack has gone through the same exact thing as a short sale. It will always be around, it will always be needed, and people always need to use one. Nick? But it might not be as hot as it once was. (laughs) Do you have a fanny pack? I do not. I guess you do. Today. I I carry a backpack. I moved on to backpacks. I think he does. But I did once before with the big gold chain and the high top hairdo. Please stop. You know? Fanny packs and short sales are still very popular products for our investors who are looking (laughs) to flip. (laughs) Um, Right, Vince? I mean, I think it's states, state sales and short sales. And of course, foreclosures are still going to give you um, larger spreads when it comes to flipping a property. Those opportunities are still out there. Um, You know, short sales, there's still going to be some opportunities out there for the very patient investor who's willing to wait through you know the six month process or whatever Phil was take, saying how long it's going to take foreclosures are out there estate sales maybe through probate that could be a whole nother show that we could talk about one day right there is let's a strategy do it I for love that idea yeah. ding 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 idea a great idea but yeah like you said time right it's also a commodity you either invest the time or you invest the money so if you don't yeah. want to invest the money invest the time and invest in a short sale that it's obviously going to take longer but you're going to get it for a discount I, not a huge discount but if you're looking at it from a perspective of a regular sale a conventional sale where you know, if I'm selling my house and I owe you know 150 thousand on the mortgage, and I'm listing it at 160, I'm just basically the spread is just to cover my closing costs. When it comes to short sales, there's a higher spread there because the bank can, you know, forgive the difference and actually absorb the lack of equity in that property. So lots of information today for sure. Um, align yourself with an expert that understands the intricacies of short sales and of course anything investments. You have to look at it again and again. I say look at it from a holistic, like a big picture. What works for you if you're a family who's looking to occupy this property as a primary residence. You may not be able to buy a short sale because it may need a lot of work, but if you're an investor, there's definitely Whatever happened to sweat equity, right? Fixing yeah. it and building it over time. I think that's kind of a dead phenomenon. Why are you always looking at me like that? But I, I think that um, short sales are for everybody. I just find them to be the best, benef- the best deals out there. Like I said, it's another tool. Very, very used. Um, you're not going to see it used as much just because the market has appreciated a lot, which has made short sales not so short, as we said earlier. Um, but I think that if you don't, there will come a time, and like Vince said, whether it's estate sales or owner-to-owner, there's great opportunities, and this is one of those tools that can bring you into a very good opportunity. Depending, again, like you know, you had said earlier in regards to what, who's the lender, how bad do they want to get rid of the property, the whole nine, there's so many other things that we can't really measure until you get into the process. Um, and you learn more as an attorney about who is the lender and how motivated is the uh, that lender to, to sell the property. You're just going to have to go through it, but it's it's a tool that is needed. Like a fanny pack. Like a fanny and pack. And I know we hate doing this, but I'm going to have to plug myself out there because I actually have investors who are looking for short sales. So <laughs> if you are looking to sell your, you know, get rid of your property because you are in financial hardship, please don't be shy. Reach out to me. You can inbox me or obviously reach out to me via cell phone. Um, but we are looking for short sale products because we do have investors who want to buy those properties and you don't have to deal with the multiple showings and all that jazz. And, of course, if you want to get a hold of um, our attorney in the house, where can we get a hold of you? FernaroLaw.com is the best way, FernaroLaw.com, or uh, 708. How do you spell that? F-O-R-N, like Nancy, A-R-O-L-A-W.com. And, uh, you know, check us, check our website out. And, you know, we do a lot of things other than just short sales, but really still in the market. So investors, we might have some properties for you. 
Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being part of Market Overdrive. And again and again, thank you so much for tuning in and making us part of your Wednesday morning. Don't try to wrap the show up. That is my oh. job to do. Special <laughs> thanks to Philip Bernaro for actually coming in and educating everybody today on the short sale topic. And of course, our regular guest, Vince Melito, for his input on what he does. And last but not least, our five foot superstar over here that is on her tiptoes at five foot two. You've been listening to Market Overdrive. We will be back next Wednesday, 10 10 a.m. Follow us on our website, marketoverdrive.com. Hopefully, you'll be able to interact and live stream us there by next Wednesday. Or, of course, subscribe to us, WGN Radio. Go to the podcast. Get it dropped into your box. If you can't listen at 10 a.m., listen at 11 11 a.m. Listen on Friday. I don't know. Listen on Sunday on the way to church. Do whatever you want to do with it. (laughs) Just listen to it. You get educated. Get smart. Good talking to you. We'll see you next week.